0: Hello and welcome to After Office Hours with the Puget Sound Economic Forecaster. We developed this podcast and our social media stream to give you the inside glimpse of what it's like to be sitting in our research center and overhearing all of our side conversations as we track what's going on in the economy. Oh, the days of being in the office are like distance memories, but despite the physical distancing, we do keep a pretty lively discussion and sometimes debate about how events and projections will manifest themselves. We are now three weeks out from our first publication of our June forecast. It seems like a great time to talk about what we know now and where our current thinking is at. Before diving into current economic thoughts, let's see who's here today. My name is James McCafferty and I serve as the general manager and publisher for the newsletter, but it's a team that makes the newsletter happen from outside partners and our center's own research staff. Dr. Hart Hodges is an economics professor at Western Washington University. Hart writes the regional forecast article and will occasionally contribute other articles based on the topics. Hart and I both co-direct the Center for Economics and Business Research at Western. Josh Grandbush is the lead research analyst with the center. Um, where, among a list of other things. He manages the forecast model for the forecaster. Josh often contributes many of the articles in the forecaster, including the leading index analysis. It is with great sadness we'll send Josh off to graduate school this fall. But between now and then, we're going to squeeze every bit of forecasting ability out of him. Sarah Wold is our research economist and is joining us for the first time today, and Sarah, we will be kind. Sarah will be taking over Josh's duties in these next few months and has been at the Center for two years. Sarah's contributed many articles to the forecaster, and we look forward to seeing even more. Dr. Steve Lurch is also joining us today. Steve is the Executive Director and Chief Economist for the Washington State Economic and Revenue Forecast Council. Steve is responsible for the official state forecast and contributes that forecast each quarter to the forecaster. We are still practicing good social distancing for this edition of After Office Hours with not feet, but miles between us. So with all that, grab your beverage of choice. You're probably in your own home after all. So it's your choice today. And let's take a look at what's happened the last few weeks. I'm sure it wasn't much. Hart, let's start with you. Any enhancements to what people should be thinking about in the regional forecast?
1: Uh, I mean, I'm sure if you're reading the news, uh, you've heard about layoffs at Nordstrom, uh, Norwegian Air. Canceled some orders with Boeing. Um, still though, there's not enough data for me to say our forecast has changed by blank. Uh, I think we're still dealing with quite a few unknowns uh, on the vaccine and therapeutic front. Uh, the, the big one in my mind is the increase in cases. Uh, do we see uh, return to any closures? Do we see people distancing more? I mean, one of the big topics uh, for us or big question marks in the in the economic modeling is when do uh, consumers feel confident again and comfortable? Because I don't really care whether the state says you can or you can't do something. If people aren't comfortable and they're not going to restaurants and they're not getting on planes, we're going to feel the economic impact of that. Uh, and again, I mentioned... Uh, Norwegian Air and Nordstrom focusing on on our region. Uh, one thing I do want to say is that we, as we try to unpack the forecast and, and focus on regions and even smaller areas, not only are we seeing differences in uh, unemployment by industry sector, we're starting to see them by geographic area, by neighborhood, right? We've talked in, in other places about how uh, wealthier households are not spending, uh, savings rates up, uh, lower income households still spending. They're spending the stimulus check. They're spending the extra unemployment benefit check. Uh, so oddly enough, we're getting some unemployment in higher income areas because spending is down more. Uh, so we're seeing some interesting patterns that I think we'll be exploring and, and hopefully describing in, in more detail in the next forecaster. So, uh, Keep an eye on the incidence and the rate of uh, infections. Keep an eye on any measures of consumer confidence. Uh, longer this goes, the harder it is for restaurants um, and uh, small retail businesses. Uh, we did get an extension uh, on PPP loans, uh, at least from the Senate. Uh, so uh, hopefully that that sort of support will let more businesses uh survive uh, but there are a lot of question marks a lot of unknowns Uh, but uh, rather than take up too much time talking about enhancements here I'm hoping to hear more from Josh and Sheridan especially Steve
0: perfect you know Hart we've uh, in a couple of talks you and I have done recently we've uh, been hedging our bets on recovery shapes and talking uh, with a couple of groups about perhaps maybe this won't look like a U or a, a toddler shaped U a sloppy U, whatever you want to call it, but we might be looking at more of a W or, or multiple W's. Um, what are you still thinking that, or is that uh, still a little bit out on the horizon?
1: Well, I mean, if the, if the virus calms down and then peaks, picks back up and calms down, that's suggestive of, of a, of a W right. With, with people feeling confident and then not and then confident again. Um, but if we have to have a shape of the day, I'm going to go with a, Backward square root sign, uh, I, you know, just just for fun, and, and by that I mean a, a strong bounce back in many parts of the economy, but not all the way to a hundred percent back. And and talking uh, with people about what is a ninety percent economy look like, and so I think you do get a, a V, but you the V doesn't get you all the way back, and and maybe my Backward square root sign isn't smoothly drawn, right? It's just that 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 line is squiggly because we're going to get waves of of confidence. Um, and we've also talked about schools. Um, I mean, I, I, what's going to happen in K twelve? Um, what's going to ha- most of the universities are saying we're we're going to give it a go. Large classes in uh will be remote so that you can move the medium-sized classes into the larger lecture halls, smaller classes up into bigger and so on. Uh, but you're going to have a mix. Smaller and medium-sized classes will be mixed online versus face-to-face. Um, still still trying to map out what happens in dorms and dining halls. Uh, doesn't sound like a big deal for the economy, but it is. What happens with sports? Think of UW or WSU. Um, And and that affects the regional economy in the Puget Sound. Uh, Whether kids are back full time in in the K-12 system affects workforce in a variety of ways. Who stays home? Uh, Who's got to keep an eye on the kids? Um, So, again, I mentioned a a lot of unknowns. The school side is is important. Um, And that's going to all ripple through to uh, school district funding, university budgets and that's going to take us back to questions about uh, municipal and state budgets as well and all you got all of that from my backwards square root sign
0: it's amazing i i it's probably better than a lot of your students no 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 that's, <laughs> that's not fair um you know we should we should note here that we're recording this on the morning of july 1st and that's important because you mentioned the senate uh, we don't know where that's going to go today and tomorrow. So we'll be watching those kinds of things here in the, in the coming weeks as well. I also saw an article this morning in Seattle Public Schools. Um, Seattle Public Schools is estimating they need about 50 square feet per person uh, or per student, I should say, uh, into their classrooms. They're looking at doing a, um, a two to three cohort model per school um, and encouraging uh, a good number of students to stay 100% remote for that for the academic year. And so that's the latest from the schools and a lot of other school districts that I've talked with are looking at very similar type structures. So this is definitely going to be hanging with us for a while from an impact perspective for parents um, do that. So Josh and Sarah, let's put you guys on the hot seat here. So what are we thinking about from a modeling perspective? What are we, what are we looking at?
2: Sarah, do you want to take this first or me?
3: You go ahead, Josh.
2: All right, all right. Um, well, first off, uh, I apologize my I have a bit of a sore throat. It's good good thing we're social distancing. Um, but uh yeah, so as Hart said, um if you've been reading the news. You'll you know, you might know some of the things we're going to be talking about today and that's because um modeling right now requires an ear to the ground much more than usual um we can't rely on the numbers from one quarter ago to reflect what's currently going on so um we're having to build in assumptions based on you know what we're reading in the news um and that ranges from boeing's updates on their production rates uh uh, payroll cuts in aerospace in general uh, the nordstrom layoffs that hart mentioned earlier um the feds best estimates of how many will be jobless because we haven't had uh too many great employment forecasts uh for the nation and then of course all the specific courts of the puget sound like amazon and microsoft strengths and cloud computing um you know could that could that lead our region to bounce back faster than the nation as a whole uh so those are the kinds of things we're considering um of course the virus being the source of all of this um uh, we're, we're heavily considering a second wave's impact. Uh, we're still in the first wave. <laughs> we never quite dipped down, um, but not knowing the timing of that makes it pretty difficult. Um, you know, we can we can arbitrarily move the forecast around in Q3 or Q4 if we think there might be another wave. Um, you know, that uh, that W we were talking about. Um, but how to decide when or how deep? You know, we try to be led by the data and by the model. Um, but with such wide volatility, we have to have to think about things the model doesn't doesn't know, um, and that's coming from the news. So you know, we 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 take our cues from the national forecast, which is the blue chip consensus forecast, and that that gives us a strong baseline. Um, and then once we start to understand the data from Q two, as that starts to come in, um, in, that we're we're considering that kind of the lowest point of the of the the backwards square root sign. Um, that'll help us understand maybe what another wave might do, uh, especially to consumer demand, which is what it's really hitting hard. Um, The economy might be more resilient in further waves having already adapted and worse in others as federal benefits might expire. Like they, like they are set to at the end of this month. Um, So yeah, those are (laughs) just, just some of the things that we think about when, when we're, when we're actually doing the modeling.
0: You know, it's, uh, Josh, as I was listening to you, I, I was thinking of, uh, we've attended several different uh, virtual events by Trimmer Economics and Analytics, which uh, we use for data as one of our data sources, but they've also got some great economists that work for them. Um, we've been asked a lot, when when does normal come back? When do we get back to normal? And we're always quick to remind people that normal is an evolutionary state. There, there is no going back to normal. You only move forward to normal and the normal evolves and changes. But we're being, uh, we're being told by uh, other economists that uh, we should expect about a six-month lag between the availability of a vaccine and when people start to move back towards whatever that normal behavior pattern is going to be. And that's just to give enough time for it to get out and enough people to actually have it, th- those that will have it. Uh, and then when that vaccine comes out. And so um, a lot of the models we're seeing nationally ha- are pegging 2022 Uh, Q3 to see that return to normality um, Mm -hmm. with the best case being 2021 Q3 and the worst case being maybe six years out which is follows more of a a normal evolutionary process for vaccine development. Um, Josh are you and Sarah are you guys looking at these kind of different scenarios and the models as you're as you're preparing the forecast?
3: Yes we are. James, we've actually been talking a lot between um, the two of us and how we formulate our model, and specifically not just in when the vaccine comes out, but also in the recent polls that we're discussing how many people would be willing and able to get a vaccine. So I think that that's one of the big question marks that we have is not only when will the vaccine be available, but also how many people will be willing and able to get that in order to get that herd immunity. If we want to reach 70 percent in order to return to whatever we deem to be the new normal, we're really going to need a lot more trust in vaccines and a lot more people willing to put themselves potentially in um, areas where they may be at risk to get the coronavirus to get the vaccine. And so that's also what we're trying to take into account is that lag, not only in the release of the vaccine, but in the public trust and ability to get it.
0: Sounds great. I'm looking forward to seeing our next uh, next set of articles. And I know we've got an update coming up and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But I want to, Steve, um, thank you for joining us today. I, I know that you're a, a fairly busy person. So um, it's an exciting time to be economists. Um, I always think of uh, the, the weather people, you know, When there's a big storm, a big, uh, you know, whether it's especially snow in our area, right? All the newscasts lead with the weather and it's like 50% of the broadcasts all about the weather. And I was like, yeah, I'm a meteorologist. It's great. Economists, I think, are in that kind of space right now where um, we're doing a lot of talks where t- a lot of people want to know our thoughts. So it's likely that we're going to see a special session this summer to make some adjustments to the state budget. Your work helps set the stage for that. In the past couple of weeks, we've seen a rise in positive cases. Uh, I see Snohomish County yesterday was, was uh, making the the move that they may have to actually go back to phase one um, if their case counts continue to rise. So counties are really struggling to try and keep up with this. Um, we've seen the same thing in a lot of other states in the U.S., actually all but two. Internationally, we're seeing rises as well in some places, and, and other places are doing a much better job at uh, containment. So this impacts supply chain, spendings, et cetera. There's a lot to focus on here. So what has your attention the most right now?
4: Well, I guess I'd say one of the big issues that we're focusing on is how COVID has impacted discretionary spending on things like travel and tourism. And I would start with the impacts on the aerospace industry, which is obviously very important in Washington. So the, the good news there is that the FAA, uh, the federal Aviation Administration began recertification flights for the Boeing 737 max on Monday and getting the 737 max recertified so that Boeing could then sell it both uh, within the U S and internationally would be a big positive for Boeing, for the Washington aerospace sector. Unfortunately, and this is to Hart's point that despite the fact that you can travel, you can go to the airport, you can get on an airplane, uh, it's pretty obvious that a lot of people are reluctant to do so. So we've seen a huge drop in air travel. And that means the demand for new aircraft is is dropping. Hart um, mentioned the Norwegian uh, cancellation of orders. And so even if we see that recertification, we are likely to see a lot fewer planes sold. Um, as a result of of public comments that the Boeing company has made, And our analysis of the aerospace sector, we have assumed a drop of about 12,800 aerospace jobs in Washington state between March and September. And of course these are high wage jobs. And so those will have big impacts that will ripple out through those communities where those jobs are lost. Uh, Other sort of discretionary impacts that we see around travel, for example, We know that um, Washington typically in the summer, we see a lot of tourists. It's a good bet that, and we are anticipating that many of those people will not be coming to Washington. And that's gonna be an even bigger hit to some sectors that have already seen big impacts such as restaurants and bars and hotels and the arts and recreation sectors. And as we see COVID cases rising, not just in other states, but also in a lot of Washington, James mentioned the potential for Sonomish County rolling back to phase one. Um, we could see that happening either officially uh, in other parts of the state, which could have a negative impact even on local travel. Um, but again, as we mentioned, as a couple of people have mentioned, the perception of those rising cases is going to have an impact on consumer behavior no matter what governments do.
0: Steve can you um i want to know about want to talk to you about distribution of these impacts because as we talk about the state as a whole it's really easy to come up with impacts but then when we think about sales tax and so many of uh, counties and cities and, and communities really depend on their sales tax uh, to support all of their programs what what's the distribution look like from what you're seeing around the state are some communities doing better or some doing worse um, is there a generic? Does it the does the generic paint all the counties the same?
4: Well, um, unfortunately, because we're really focused on what's going on with the state, because we're trying to inform uh, policymakers in the legislature and in the governor's office, we haven't done a lot of analysis of sort of differential impacts across the state. So I don't know that I have a real good grasp on that. Certainly, I think the the counties that have been able to open up faster, I would anticipate that their sales tax revenues are stronger. But I can't say we've really looked at that.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough. I uh, I got my uh, uh, AAA magazine, which is always you know a, a good source of great things you can do in the Pacific Northwest. I noticed they had very little uh, destination-based kind of information at this last last month so i think that they too are noticing that people are not traveling as much although i have seen some statistics that people are looking at that five six hour car ride kind of distance for their summer trips so it'll be interesting to see if places like leavenworth and and other places in our state benefit from people not jumping on planes and jumping in their cars instead so it'll be interesting to watch heart sarah josh i mean we got a treat here with steve here what what else can we can we ask steve that might uh Reveal some things for us. I had a
2: quick question, um, Steve, because I love to compare our forecast Because you, you've got about the closest thing to our my Puget Sound forecast. Um, so I was looking at our employment numbers, and especially just the growth rates. Um, uh, considering you know the Puget Sound's a large part of the state, um, and I noticed that you guys. Are showing pretty strong employment growth through at least 2024. It was about above three uh, percent year over year, um, and I was uh, my forecast. The the Puget Sound forecast is a little bit more uh, positive in the short run, but then growth dips down to about one percent. Um, so I was curious, what kind of assumptions or relationships in the model, or you know, what exogenous data is is kind of driving that that strong employment growth above three percent?
4: Well. Uh, a couple things. Now, I, I would point out that um, the state forecast that was in um, the last forecaster was our preliminary forecast. A couple of weeks later, June 17th, we released a, a final forecast. Now, typically, you don't see a big difference between those two forecasts. Uh, <laughs> what, what you saw this time was that our final forecast was definitely um, more pessimistic. Ah, Okay. Just, just in the couple of weeks there uh, we lowered virtually everything in terms of growth rates. So that would be one point. We, we did build in a bit of a um, sort of a a bit of a W uh, if you will, in construction activity uh, which may have helped, you know, boost some of our employment. Uh, Our assumption was that, you know, we started to see some of the restrictions on construction activity um, be changed, so that we could see more construction activity. We know that it was difficult um, in terms of the social distancing and the PPE. It made things more expensive, but we had anticipated that that would create a little bit of an increase in construction. But even pre-pandemic, we had assumed construction activity was going to peak and sort of roll off. So. What we have now is it's sort of going back up and then dropping back to sort of the pattern we had anticipated anyway which was that we'd really um, kind of hit a peak in construction activity. That could be one difference, Um, but I would say if if you look at our final forecast you'll see it's not quite, um, I wouldn't have called the other one rosy, but it's certainly not quite as optimistic. Okay, um
2: that's, that's interesting that you guys built the W into construction as well, because it's, it's very similar to um, what Sarah and I did with our aerospace forecast. Um, I- originally, we had Boeing slowly reducing their, uh, well, not just Boeing, but aerospace in general and the Puget Sound slowly reducing their payrolls um, as their uh, productivity increased. But now we have to dip them down and then back up as the industry recovers and then back down on that normal growth pattern. So it sounds similar to what you guys are doing with construction. Okay.
1: Um, yeah. And without talking about numbers and comparing forecasts side by side, Steve, you've got um, Microsoft, Amazon, you know, some of the companies that are sort of the you know, the tech companies that everyone is saying, uh, they're actually benefiting From everything that's going on. And then we've got Boeing and Nordstrom on the other side. Uh, How do you, what do you tell people when they ask, um, how do you think Washington's going to do compared to the U.S. overall?
4: You know, it's it's interesting because if you look at, um, say, the 2007-2009 recession, you you know, you saw that Washington really entered into that recession later you know, our construction activity and house prices held up a lot longer than other parts of the country. And then we were kind of slow to exit. This time, it's really hard to say, as you pointed out, we've got some sectors, uh, at least in our forecast, we are even showing the information sector with slight, and I do mean slight, positive employment growth this year. So we do have some sectors that are going to be, I think, more resilient. Uh, The online shopping, the, uh, the information and tech. So those should certainly be positives for us, but I think our manufacturing sector, especially aerospace is something that could be on the other side of that, where it's going to be hit harder than maybe some other manufacturing sectors nationally in part because it's so dependent, not just on what's going on in the U S but internationally. Uh, Washington state is a huge exporter and a big part of that really is uh, Boeing aircraft. So as the world gradually recovers, it'll be interesting to see when air traffic and air travel gets back to previous levels. But I do think that the aerospace sector has the potential to cause us to be slower to get out of this, uh, than some other States.
0: Josh, we've talked a lot about uh, retail sales at this point, but uh, anything else you'd uh, you want to talk about retail sales in regards to the upcoming forecasts? Yeah, I think
2: the biggest thing that we're, is on our minds and Hart touched on this briefly when he was talking about the regional outlook is the spending rates we're seeing in high income zip codes and the unemployment that's causing. So, We've noted that savings rates have shot up. Personal income actually grew like gangbusters in the first months of the pandemic as the unemployment benefits increased and the stimulus checks went out. Uh, I think it was about 11%, I believe, in April. Um, but the spending fell. You know, retail sales, personal consumption expenditures, which means savings rates grew. And the savings rates grew very much so in high income zip codes. Um, and that analysis comes from opportunity insights, which is led by Raj Chetty at Harvard. Um, and all that data is freely available online and and actually pretty user friendly, even for the non-economists who might be listening. Um, so, you know, if that spending comes back, if those high income earners start spending again, we're going to see a lot of those leisure and hospitality jobs come back in some form. If it doesn't, you know, we, we're not, I mean, the money, you know, the money's got to flow. Uh, locally though for you know i mean some of these high income zip codes are in the puget sound area um but i'm actually really interested to see the quarterly data from the department of revenue on retail sales uh we have data um on the national level of retail sales but the local data takes a while to come out in fact we just got q4 in june um so you know q1 is going to be really illustrative and we won't get that until later in the summer maybe even early fall uh but you know will that match the national numbers where we've seen building and garden materials grow as a sector while auto sales slump um if not we're going to get to see the regional variations affecting our forecast of taxable retail sales uh you know there's there's lots of unknowns and I'd, I'd like to start seeing some answers um but for now it's going to be it's going to be rough for businesses spending spending is going to stay down until it's safer to do in person shopping you know some things are just difficult to buy online you know i have been trying to shop for clothes and i had to send more back <laughs> than i got to keep um, restaurants have adapted but i mean what are you going to do with sports and music um you know, we don't have a great roadmap for what that looks like so there are a lot of questions and i wish i had more answers but we're looking at all those things
0: Fair enough. So, Sarah, um, this week uh, up the street for me, they've uh, cleared a lot and uh, they spent all day yesterday digging out the foundation and today they're starting to build foundation materials in there. So construction, uh, just from my up the street perspective, seems to be uh, going really well. So talk to me about your thoughts about construction. Are, are we seeing changes in commercial? Or are we thinking about residential changes?
3: Yeah, so starting with commercial construction, um, I mean, speaking to that W that Steve mentioned earlier, there was a the brief pause in construction, um, you know, across the state. And then there's been an increase again. And we were seeing pretty high activity levels um, in the Puget Sound region. And a lot of that has continued. Um, and now we're past that pause. And we're still seeing high absorption rates in the Puget Sound region, and there was a slight uptick in the vacancy rate, but all of this is within the normal ranges of activity. And there is a large number of high-value um, projects in East King County. There are nine large construction projects with over 3 million square feet um, in commercial space, and over 96% of that is currently um it's uh, committed. So that might be a problem for those companies, you know, in the coming months as more of their people are working remotely, but there's a lot of activity going on right now. Um, And those, those construction projects aren't even including the Costco and Microsoft campus expansions that they have been planning. So these are separate from that. And I think one thing that needs mentioning is there may be a shift in workspace development as we 've talked about in the office with what we need from an office and as social distancing continues and remote work continues, things will change, um, but none of that we 're going to see for a while, so the data isn 't going to reflect any of those shifts in you know the need for space per person or you know separate offices. Um, and in residential, the data is really lukewarm. I mean, pending sales are up and new listings are up, but closings and average price are both ticking downwards, which is kind of unusual for this time of year. This is the peak housing season. We're talking May and June. So the fact that we're seeing those dip down really shows the opposing forces at play here with the recession, the coronavirus, but also, you know, the activity that we were seeing. Um and the Puget Sound is is uniquely and set up for remote work when we were 13, according to Chimera's remote work index, 13th in the US for how well we were with our industry mix, but we're still going to see a hit in personal income and that's going to affect affordability. The mortgage rate can't carry it all on its own. And so seeing that hit to affordability, um, you know, I think that this level of lackluster data is kind of a relief right now. You know, normally it would be sounding the alarm for May and June to see a drop in prices. But because of what's going on, these, the fact that we're coming out kind of even is perhaps a positive.
0: All right. So you talked about employment. So um, hard. I'm going to look at you here and say employment's in the headlines Uh, and looking at County maps for our state. The other day, I noticed that Ferry County, which has typically had the highest unemployment rate in our state is really not that much different from the others this last month. Um, Any thoughts on recovery and the projections within the forecaster around employment?
1: I like the two thoughts that come to mind first. Uh, One is uh, volatility in the data. Uh, uh, Just trying to keep track of the the unemployment claims, the the number of people that are having to be counted quickly, uh, revisions to the data, and so on and so forth. So I I would remind everybody to, to, to take numbers with a grain of salt because the you know as as we go forward we can revise numbers up or down but the real message in that one for me was uh, goes back to who's spending and who's not uh and the unemployment we mentioned can vary uh not only by industry sector but by uh by income level so you take a place like ferry county and compare it to uh snohomish or king and you think the industry mix is different uh The income mix is different in terms of household income, so you're going to see places like Ferry County at certain periods of time, not overall, holding up nicely because if you've got people uh, still working or low-income folks that are getting unemployment checks, still spending, uh, you're going to get one unemployment story, and you'll get a very different story uh, if you've got... Uh, wealthy neighborhoods or wealthy regions where the spending is down and savings is up. uh, It ties together some of the things we've already talked about in in this podcast, but uh, I would expect to see some variation like that. uh, And I'd expect to see it change month to month.
4: You know, one of the reasons that Washington's economy has, you know, prior to the pandemic had been typically growing stronger than the U S is strong in migration. We've had, lots of jobs in the tech sector and other places that have attracted people tended to be high wage folks. And that's generated, um, higher levels of employment growth, higher levels of personal income growth. We're starting to see those population numbers drop. Uh, COVID likely to slow that down even further. And so that probably when Hart asked about things about whether we might be going, you know, h- how, how, Washington might be responding to recovery relative to the U.S. That might be one of the things that hurts us is slower in migration is going to tend to um, cause Washington's relative to performance to drop. Thanks for that, Steve. Sarah, we create monthly updates
0: which are available to our online subscribers. Can you share anything that will be you are looking forward to in the next set of updates, which will happen in two weeks here on the 15th?
3: Well, I can say what what we're keeping our eye on mostly um before we we move into that process of starting that and we're we're really looking at um you know a lot of that mix of of component indices that we're keeping our eyes on, and one of the big ones that we've been watching is is durable goods sales um and the the strong decline we had in that in May, and so we are keeping our eyes on that and and combined also with With Boeing, we've been watching Boeing for quite a while now, a little warily, um, and, you know, seeing the impact that that has on the region, and and Steve mentioned, you know, the effect that that's going to have on the recovery, perhaps as a detriment to Washington State. But those are some of the things that we are really closely keeping an eye on that we'll be talking to in the next um, iterations of the the publication.
0: Perfect. I'm looking forward to reading those, and I'm lucky I get to read everything a few days before everyone else does, so that's, uh, that's a perk of this job. That brings a close to this edition of After Office Hours, the Peter Sound Economic Forecaster. I want to thank Steve Lurch for joining us today. We have enjoyed his comments and always appreciate all of his insights every month. We encourage you to follow us on social media, to have a front row seat of reading over our shoulders and to learn about other ways to connect with us. You can always reach us via our website, cebr.ww.edu, or by email, cebr at with questions, comments, or if you're interested in having us speak. Yes, we do do live performances with events, um, although they seem to all be by Zoom lately. No one wants to get close to us, evidently, Hart. Uh, so from all of us at Western Washington University, we hope you have a great day. Stay healthy, and we'll see you next time on our podcast.